You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. I feel like as we draw closer and closer, it's much like a storm. You know, they always talk about the calm before the storm. You would think things would kind of ramp up as we get closer, but they don't. They get quieter and quieter and quieter until this eventual eruption when people show up to training camp. But it's amazing how, you know, you'll go several days. <laughs> I I check for news and I'm looking at it and I'm like, why won't this page refresh? It's the same news as yesterday. And then I realize, what do you think is going to happen on a Sunday in the depths of the off season? It's just... Um, Nothing happens, and unfortunately, the only things that do happen are, you know, guys getting arrested and things like that. You had, uh, who was it, Dwayne Brown, I think, brought a gun to an airport or something, which apparently is more common than you would think. I don't know. Um, But otherwise, not a lot. Aaron Rodgers is playing golf, so people are interested in that. I just am not. I'm sorry. Apparently, he got a, what was it, an eagle yesterday or something, which is impressive. I mean, he's a good golfer, which is cool. And um, I believe he was playing with Justin Timberlake, who I believe is a huge Packers fan, which is cool. Should see if I can get him on the uh, on the show. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Might as well just call Rogers while I'm at it. But unfortunately, we do have a few more weeks of um, just kind of scraping, and we can look at things historically. We can keep digging into things. But if you're looking for new news, it might be a while. Never know. We might get lucky with a little nugget that we can kind of squeeze to death. But uh, this is kind of it. With that said, I did want to bring something up. We talked about um, a Steelers wide receiver that may not be getting paid next year that I thought... Uh, it's not that I thought anything. In fact, I told you that I really doubt the Packers end up going out and getting him. And that's Deontay Johnson. Uh, presumably, the Steelers are not going to be willing to offer him the money that he's worth. And so the assumption is he's going to hit the market. And a writer for The Athletic said that he believes that it'll be the Packers. But again, I, I really believe that... He's saying that for the same reason that we hear every single time there's a wide receiver available, they have the best Vegas odds to be going to Green Bay, and then, then they never go to Green Bay. And so I think that's kind of what we're dealing with, is people just assume, well, the Packers wide receivers are trash, and so they're obviously going to be active in that market, and the Packers are just never really active in that market. And um, yes, they did get Samuel Watkins, but again, they, they like the guys that they have more so than... Um, people think. And beyond that, we just drafted a bunch of guys and and they're they're also very patient. And they're not going to want to invest a massive amount of money when they've also just invested a pretty decent amount of draft capital over the last several years. And would probably rather take another swing than to, you know, unless things just seem dire, you know. It's Rogers' official last year. 
and um, it's clear that the guys we have are not going to take a big jump, and Lazar did not take that jump into a number one, so we just don't have it, and we want it, and we're going to go get it. You know, I don't know. And, and that's assuming we think Deontay Johnson can even be that true dominant number one. I talk about him as though he's Devontae Adams, and he really isn't, which is another issue. Anyways, all that aside, we're not talking about him today. Um, there was another note that kind of perked my ears up a little bit. There are a few other positions that Packer fans are a little concerned about. Um, concern for different reasons. Wide receiver and offensive line are similar in that we have a pile of guys, we just don't know how it's going to shake out. Offensive line, we have a pile of guys, some of which we know are good, but there's a lot of question marks. For example, David Bakhtiari and his health, Elton Jenkins and his health, uh, John Runyon and how good he's going to be, Josh Myers, how good he's going to be. We drafted two guys, we don't know how good. So there's there's questions, but there's also like a eh, let's wait and see component to it. But then there's sort of this... I, either impending doom issue or an assumption that at some point we're going to have to do something. And, and I, I think, and maybe I'm missing a spot, but edge rusher and safety kind of fit that mold. Um, off the edge, I, I, you could say that if you genuinely believe Preston will stay good, and maybe you think he's always been pretty good, I don't I don't know, but um, if you think we got something there and you think you got something in Kingsley, then you know, it wouldn't kill us to go get somebody else, but it doesn't feel as dire. For me, it feels dire. I think we have Rashawn and we have nobody else. And I, I, I know that's not fair to say to Preston, who had a great year last year. I just, I'm very confident he has a, an off year. And it's one of those things where if he doesn't, I'm certainly willing to eat my words because I'll, I'll be plenty happy um, to be watching it and experiencing it. Um, but it just feels like that's an area where something needs to get done. And the other area is safety. I think best case scenario would be Amos um, continues to play well and Savage figures it out. But even even in the best case scenario, there is just this assumption, and it's probably a fair assumption, and I, I wish it wasn't, but Amos probably won't be around for too much longer. And so even if we hit best case scenario, there's something that needs to be done. But there's also the worst case scenario of Amos is declining and won't be here for any longer than this year, and Savage never figures it out, in which case we just don't have any safeties. And so the question is, do we have two safeties? Do we have one safety in Amos that isn't going to be here very long? Do we have Do we have a star in Savage who's going to need a, um, a running mate? Point is, that kind of is what was running through my head when I saw this uh, via Mike Garofolo, and he was commenting on an article from Around the NFL. But um, the Around the NFL tweet says, Will a long-term deal get worked out between franchise tag safety Jesse Bates and Bengals before July 15th deadline? Doesn't look great, Mike Garofolo reports. And then he retweeted it and expanded and says, Elsewhere on the franchise tag front, there isn't a lot of optimism. The Bengals and Jesse Bates will bridge the gap between the tag, $12.9 million, and the top of the safety market, $18 million, between now and next week's deadline. Over at NBC Sports, it says, The Bengals are not expected to extend franchise tag free safety Jesse Bates before next week's deadline. It goes on to say, There, quote, isn't a lot of optimism, per NFL Network's Mike Garofolo, that Bengals will bridge the gap between the tag and the top of the safety market for Bates. A new deal would exceed $18 million a year for Bates, while he would make $12.9 million under the tag. Bates skipped OTAs and has previously said he wouldn't play on the tag. The Bengals can't sign Bates after July 15th, but the fifth-year safety could limit his exposure and extend his holdout into training camp. 
the reason this perked my ears up, and obviously there, there's such a gap between what we're hearing right now and Jesse Bates wearing a Green Bay Packers uniform. But what perked my ears up is I know that Jesse Bates was recently drafted. And I know from poking around on PFF and occasionally looking at different things that this guy has had some really, really, really good outings. Um, I think that's kind of proven by the fact he was put on a franchise tag because you don't franchise tag mediocre players that you just can't quite figure out um, a contract with, right? These are your best of the best players that um, you are desperate to hang on to. Now, the weird thing with Jesse Bates is that there's there's so much bad with the good. I mean, he's almost like Darnell Savage, but to a much more extreme extent. His highs are much higher. His lows are much lower. So there are some big question marks there. His first year, right out of the gate, he had a 79.9 overall grade, which is pretty good for a rookie. However, um, the only reason it was really that high, he had a good first three weeks. Uh, Week five, he had a 91 overall grade. Week eight, he had a 92 overall grade. Week 17, he had an 86 overall grade, but otherwise it was 53, 54, 41, 65, 64, 51, 63, 64, 49, and 59. I'm not going to go through every single year, but beyond the uh, ups and downs of his in-season grades, his week-to-week grades, you've also got year one, 80 overall, year two, 61 overall, year three, 90 overall, year four, 67 overall. Um... So very, very, very up and down seasons, which kind of makes you nervous, but it's the 90 overall seasons that make him really, really worth it. And I'm guessing if you ask anybody around the league, this guy's one of the most talented players in all of football. I don't know what it is that causes the negatives. I know Cincinnati doesn't really have um, the most top-end talent around the league. In other words, they don't really have great linebackers, um, corners, they did have Trey Hendrickson, which was great. Chidobia Wuzier had a good season, I guess. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily what causes all the ups and downs. But again, the, the, the point of this is how do we draw a line between this and possibly him becoming a Green Bay? If you even want that to happen, I'm not even sure I do, but it is worth talking about when one of the top players at a position of need might become available at some point. The first question for me is when is that point? If they don't come to an agreement in the next four days, they can't extend him, and what if he just holds out and doesn't play? Period. I don't know that it would ever come to that. That seems a little extreme, especially for a guy that's still playing on his rookie deal. It seems like the most likely scenario is they reach an agreement. I mean, that's, I mean, he's, he's one of your best, most promising players. He is a young player. Generally, these things lead to big contracts, but according to everybody, it's not going to happen. So what does that mean? Could potentially mean a trade. The, the biggest issue I have with anything happening now is that I don't think the Packers would do it if it's now. Because now you have to play Jesse Bates and Amos and Savage, and I don't know how that's going to work. You could say, well, you got that extra linebacker spot, but that's why Quay Walker's here, so that you don't need that third linebacker, or, or excuse me, that third safety. That's sort of the point. But fortunately, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. What I think is going to happen is if they really don't reach an agreement, that means they cannot extend him. I don't think he's going to hold out and not get paid. I mean, it's 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 a guy that has not made a massive amount of money. I mean, he has by normal standards, but by NFL standards, he has not made a lot of money. And the franchise tag is a lot of money, It's even if it's not as much as you might want. And you're not going to just say no to that. So the point is you play on it. You, you, you tried to hold out. You tried to play tough. It didn't work out. 
You play on the tag, you make the giant amount of money that you're going to get, nearly $13 million to play football, and then next year you hold all the keys. They are not going to franchise tag you for a second time because the price will be way too high. And if the Bengals weren't willing to pay him the year before, why would they be willing to pay him again? Maybe they will, I don't know, but the point is this, is, this is sort of the sweet spot, and this is where I think the Packers may be willing to play ball. I don't know that they will, but let's just, let's just think about it for a minute. First of all, there is the question of, is Aaron Rodgers even going to be here anymore? If he's not, and again, I'm not even going to pretend to understand how this is going to work financially, I don't know. There's a couple different ways you can look at it, though. Number one, we need to invest our resources in a quarterback, not a safety. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. And who knows what quarterbacks are going to become available. I mean, we can pretend to know, but you never know. Who, was, who, who could have possibly known that um, Russell Wilson was going to be a Bronco? You don't know who's going to become available. Who, maybe Tom Brady's like, you know what, I'm up for a challenge. This is a historic franchise that deserves a Super Bowl. Let's go for it. Right? I'm making that up, but the point is you just don't know. The whole Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield thing. I, you look at teams that might be drafting quarterbacks. Maybe the Tennessee Titans look to invest in a more long-term solution, and we end up with Tannehill, Matt Ryan. I don't know. But on the flip side, maybe you want to roll with Jordan Love. Maybe you've got some extra resources, and maybe you decide to invest some of those resources in the defense so that it doesn't fall apart. And if Adrian Amos isn't going to be the solution, you've got the opportunity to have Darnell Savage, who, again, a lot of question marks, but maybe he is starting to meet his potential. Maybe he did have a good year. He's a young, talented safety, and you have the opportunity to bring in another young, talented safety by the name of Jesse Bates, who is 25 years old. The biggest issue with that is probably going to be the fact that you're going to have to pay Darnell Savage, too. And how much are you going to want to pay for your safeties? I I guess I don't know, but it's fun to think about, I I guess, is is the reason I'm bringing it up. The reason I'm elaborating so much is because there's not much else to talk about. But it is fun to think about. Two of the youngest, most promising, high-upside safety groups in football with with JC Jesse Bates who was I believe the number one safety in football in 2020 again took a step back in 2021 which is unfortunate he ended the season strong but had some really low games in between is kind of what caused it and honestly one of the positives is if you look at his his first season in which he had a good game it was actually mostly bad games with some elite games mixed in it was a higher grade than 2021 but I'd almost take 2021 over his, what was it, 2018 season, because there was more consistently good games. Especially at the end of the season, he ended real strong. The problem is there's just some really low, low games. Week 7 against Baltimore, 34 overall grade. Week 9 against Cleveland, 31. Week 13 against the Chargers, 28. Week 17 against Kansas City, 46. Otherwise, though, and there were a couple mediocre games mixed in, it's a lot of just good. And obviously the year before, a lot of good and very little bad because he had a 90 overall grade. He was just good all the time. But it's something else to consider. Another premier player that is um, potentially going to be available, if not immediately, um, and again, I think if it is immediate, then we can just scratch it off the list. But if not immediately, maybe in the near future. And, and if we want to get super crazy, and this is what fans like to do a lot of times, although it very rarely ever happens in the NFL, so it's not worth talking about, maybe a trade is in order. If we're not keeping Adrian Amos, and again, I can't under, understand in the in in the world why they just don't seem to love Amos the way I do. I mean, they, they have kept him along. It's just, just give the guy a lifetime contract, all right? Maybe he's only got two years left. I don't know, but just let him play until he can't play. But maybe you give it to the team that was sniffing a Super Bowl. Seems kind of silly because we are that team also. But, you know, if you're not going to pay Jesse Bates, fine. Take this guy. Uh, he's cheaper. 
and you can take another swing at a Super Bowl and then just not deal with it. We'll take the long-term investment. We'll pay the guy. We've got money right now. We'll, we'll do it. Or just trade him with Savage. Again, never going to happen, but I'm just, just thinking through it. It's another young guy. He's another promising guy. And uh, again, you're not going to have to pay as much. It's a it's a Jesse Bates. It's a one-to-one Jesse Bates replacement in terms of um, potential, I guess. Savage just hasn't shown it as much as Jesse Bates has, but he's going to be a lot cheaper. So again, you take the cheap Jesse Bates, we'll take the expensive Jesse Bates, and we'll just be done with it. I don't know, man. Something to keep an eye on, though. I, I still have a feeling that despite all these reports that we're going to find out in like two days they came to an agreement. But if they don't, Jesse Bates is likely going to be on the market, and he's going to be one of the hottest names in football because very rarely does a 25 or 26-year-old, maybe at the time, who is one of the top at his positions, um, hit the market. In fact, there's an article here by ESPN, and I'm planning on elaborating on this. In fact, maybe we'll do it a little bit today. I don't want to do it too much because I want to write an article on the Substack about it. By the way, um, today's article I'm going to do is going to be about Adrian Amos. It's going to be about safety. It's going to be proving that he's underrated. It's going to be a free episode, meaning you don't have to have a subscription because I want to, at least once a week, kind of give you a peek behind the paywall just so you have an idea of what it is is going on over here to decide if this is something worth paying for if you're like nah I'm, I'm good not doing it because I know that's how most people are that's how I am probably how I would be if I didn't have a podcast but um, the reality is there are certain sites you know I, I pay for the athletic because I genuinely think they have some content that is worthwhile I have paid for sub stacks I have done things like that because it's just worth it. There are other things that, even though I pay for them, I probably don't need to. Um, I don't know if I should. I, pro- I, I won't say it, but generally it's, it's mostly just news reporting, and it's like I can get news reports without paying for them. And so I, I guess it's just let me prove to you that this is not just me writing random stuff that you can hear on the podcast. This is research assignments. And if that's not interesting, then that's fine. But um, very in-depth, a lot of statistics and numbers and uh, just proving out the point rather than just saying. Because, listen, you can find 50 articles by Packers writers saying, you know, here are five most underrated players with like a paragraph for each. With no real, anything that you can hold on to and say, here's why definitively. There's no debate. That's what I want to do. And that's what I've done with the Rashawn Gary article. Um, the Bears article that I did was, I don't know if I would say definitive, but it, 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 I'm a very visual person, and I want to be able to paint a picture. Here's the visual of what I'm telling you. And so what I did is I compared the Bears to the worst offenses you can find in recent history. And I painted a very visual, vivid picture of what that looks like. So today I'm doing Adrian Amos. I think after that I'm going to do A.J. Dillon. I guess it's Aaron Jones actually would be a really good one too. Just painting a picture of that gap between the respect they get and... um, and where they're at. Anyways, this article that I'm going to be referencing in the article that I'm writing uh, via ESPN, a lot of people have been talking about these articles. They, they've What they did at ESPN is they talked to a bunch of executives and they said, give me your best at these positions. A lot of Packers were left off these lists and they shouldn't have been. But that's a separate thing. What I want to talk about at this second is Jesse Bates is ranked sixth. So it's kind of a, an understood thing. And, and I think age does play into this. But it's sort of an understood thing that he is one of the top safeties. Um, maybe it doesn't matter because the list is garbage. I don't think it's garbage. I just the Packers just don't get the respect they deserve. If you look at the list, um, Justin Simmons number one. Justin Simmons is very good. Is he number one? I don't know. 
Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I've always thought was overrated, but good safety. Kevin Byard is a very good safety. Derwin James is a good safety. He can't stay healthy, but he's a good safety. Buda Baker, I, I don't understand the love for Buda. I think it's just his versatility. There's certain guys. Um, who's the other one that I always say? It doesn't matter. Then Jesse Bates, Harrison Smith, very, very good safety. Probably should be higher on the list, although, again, age and whatnot. Um, Marcus Williams, Antoine Winfield, Jamal Adams. I mean, these are not bad safeties. Jamal Adams did um, did really completely fall off a cliff at Seattle, so he shouldn't probably even be on the list, but it deserves mentioning. Javon Holland is an honorable mention. He should be way higher. He only had one year, but he was maybe the best safety in football last year. Quandre Diggs, Jeremy Chin, uh, Jimmy Ward, Jordan Poyer, Tyron Matthew, Adrian Amos. There he is. Yeah, Tyron is the guy I always say is overrated. Adrian is the guy that is always underrated. And then they have Micah Hyde down here, which is insane. You want to talk about another safety? Um, I'm, I'm not even going to say he's underrated because I feel like everybody understands he's real good, but apparently not. Micah Hyde almost reminds me of Josh Sitton. That's, that's the one thing that came to mind. Um, criminally underrated. And, and again, it's, when I say underrated, sometimes you look at it and go, what are you talking about? Everybody knows he's good. I'm not talking about good. I'm, I'm talking about every time I look at him, you, you just don't see things like this. So consistent, so good on a play-to-play basis. And maybe that's the difference between what I'm looking for and what fans look for and what executives look for. Executives like the really young guys that show versatility and, and all this stuff. Fans like stats. Show me the guy um, like Diggs in, in Dallas that had all the picks and all these things. Those are the best guys. Give me the guy that on a, on a, on a game-to-game, play-to-play basis, he's just a good player. Every single time he's a good player. Give me Micah Hyde. Give me Adrian Amos over freaking Tyron Matthew and Buda Baker and even Minka Fitzpatrick. And, and, and I understand Minka is on another level. Right. I mean, he's he's just he's so good and he's so versatile and he's all these things. And I'm sure everybody would roll their eyes at it. I don't care. And maybe Mink is a bad example because he's more consistent than I'm giving him credit for. But just give me those wily vets, man. Give me those guys that just, you know, football is just a it's it's in slow motion for them. They've been through it. They know everything. They've seen it. They're the guys who, you know, when when the linebacker's calling out the plays, he's in the back screaming, hold up, hold up, hold up, check it out. This guy's, you know, he sees things. He knows things. He's just a, especially at safety, you know what I mean? That's that's Charles Woodson. I He's seen everything. He knows everything. It's not just that he's athletically gifted. He's the smartest guy on the field. And I probably care too much about credit. I just, I, I don't know, whatever. It's it's a, Call it a preference thing then. That's my preference. And that's that's position to position. I don't need the Roquan Smiths. Give me Devondre Campbell. I'm I'm I, Ro, Devondre Campbell can't hold a candle to Roquan. And and again, fans will love Roquan because he's faster, he's more athletic, he's got better highlights. Executives like him because he is the prototype of a linebacker in 2022. Devondre Campbell's more of a throwback. It's not that he doesn't have some speed. It's not that he can't cover. It's not. It's just that he doesn't fit the mold. He's a he's a he's a tackling linebacker, and nobody cares. But the fact of the matter is, he's smart. He understands what he's doing, and he does a good job. And it just seems like executives, especially even you know coaches and GMs, they look at it and they go, "Yeah, good player is nice and all, but we need the attributes. We got a checklist, and you got to check the boxes." It's like, "Yeah, but he can't play football." Yeah, but we got to check the boxes. And even after we've seen it, and, and Devondre, again, might be a bad... Darius Leonard, then. But just give me the good football players. That's all I'm saying. I, I There are certain guys you just can't explain it. I've said it a thousand times. 
Devontae Adams doesn't check the boxes. I mean, he's a great route runner, but, you know, the, the athleticism, the height, the all these fun little things. He's just an average dude, but he's a player, and he's consistent, and he's smart. He's smarter than the guy across from him, and he's going to show up every single week. Give me that guy. Obviously, Devontae, everybody wants that guy, but that's the point. That's what he is. That's what all, in my opinion, the best players are. You know, is does Tyreek Hill happen to be fast? Yes, but there's a lot of guys who happen to be fast that aren't Tyreek Hill. Don't get confused and think that it's the speed that makes him Tyreek Hill. It's not. I mean, it is to a degree, but if it was just the speed, there would be Tyreek Hills across the league. Every team's got a Tyreek Hill. Every team's got a guy that runs in the 4-2s or 4-3s. So what? They all suck. But anyways, there there is somewhat of a larger and different question, I guess, and that is, do the Packers not really get much respect around the league? Every single time there is especially a um, around-the-league kind of thing, it seems like the Packers don't really get a lot of love. And I don't know if it's just because of the types of players that they have, or if there genuinely is just a disdain for the Green Bay Packers. They're just... they're. I can't tell if this is the observational part of me or the conspiracy theorist part of me, but... You know, my wife and I are very different in, in a lot of ways. One of the ways we're different is my wife is just completely content to go out and just be herself. She'll walk into a room and she doesn't see anything. She has tunnel vision. I walk into a room and I see everything. It is a curse. My number one thought is, what is everybody thinking? And yes, that's largely because, you know, wondering what they're thinking about me. But I, I just, I, I'm always seeing stuff. And so I guess I kind of take that into these types of things where I'm looking at it. And yeah, there, there is a sense of being hypercritical of what people think about the Packers. And I'm sure there, you know, if I was a Broncos fan, maybe I'd think the same thing because they're not giving us the credit that we deserve, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Although Justin Simmons, I believe, is a Bronco and he's the number one safety anyways. There just always seems to be a gap between what seems painfully obvious to me and even the write-up on Adrian Amos, which was from an AFC scout, just basically was like, oh yeah, he's one of the best, he's been one of the best, uh, he's one of the most consistent, he's, uh, you know, obviously. Didn't crack the top ten, though. And I don't know if it's because we don't have a billionaire owner, and so the Packers aren't represented at their billionaire parties. If there's sort of this elitist attitude of this small town, little hick town, blah, 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 whatever, bunch of backwoods, racist, blah, blah, you know, all that, all that garbage, I don't know. But it just seems like when you go around the league, people forget the Packers exist. And it's weird because they're a good football team. And yes, they're going to give credit to Aaron Rodgers because it's unavoidable. There are certain players that you can't get away from. But even when there's seemingly painfully obvious observations like Adrian Amos, nobody cares. Or how about Rashawn Gary? Um, They did top 10 at every position. Let's look at ranking the NFL's top 10 edge rushers for 2020. Execs, coaches, players make their pick for the best defensive ends outside linebackers. Rashawn Gary, um, and again, go read the article I wrote. Yes, it's behind a paywall. If you don't want to, that's fine. But there's no question. He he has entered a territory that just doesn't really um, exist for a lot of players. He just has. From a statistics standpoint, from a grade standpoint, he has. Here's their top 10. T.J. Watt, number one. I don't think that's disputable. I think he is the best pass rusher in football right now. Number two, Miles Garrett. Very, very good. He's bordering on overrated territory, though. He is all attributes, but if you look at the numbers, they're not quite hitting where they need to. He, he, he just hasn't really hit that point yet. Um, I had mentioned in the article, if you look at it, you know, there's sort of this elite area of you know 17-ish percent. 
everybody hits that. Miles Garrett has never hit that. He lives at 13% pressure rate. That's that's decent, and he's wildly consistent, which is great. But I think the league looks at this guy who is one of the he's he's a prototype. He is the Terminator. You know, he he's 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 manufactured by God to kill quarterbacks. And and you know you can see it on the field play after play after play. But again, the the numbers don't quite hit where they need to. I'm not. I'm I'm just saying. Is he maybe the number? Yeah, he's he's definitely there. I would probably put Nick Bosa ahead of him. He's number three. Um, and and there is a narrative component to it and all that. And he's had some massive games. He had like 50 sacks on Justin Fields, which I will forever love Miles Garrett for that. But um, he just hasn't quite hit it. Nick Bosa has. I think he did in his first year. Hit like 17. percent He's he is. A freak among freaks. He probably should be number two. Then there's Joey Bosa. I don't know that he's number four. But here's where things get really crazy because you look at it and say, okay, Rashawn just hasn't earned his just due yet, but it'll come. He just hasn't really broken onto the scene with all the sacks and all that stuff. Number five is Max Crosby. Max Crosby is on this list and deserves to be on this list for the same reason Rashawn Gary does. Max Crosby should be a fly under the radar guy. For every reason you look at it and say, okay, calm down. He's just kind of an under-the-radar guy. He hasn't burst onto the scene. Nobody's really observed it yet in, in a big way. Max Crosby is that guy. His stats were through the roof. His pressure stats were through the roof. And he's a he's a late-round guy. He's he's all these different things. Um, he is the exact reason. He's, he's, he is the excuse that I give for every Packer fan that's underrated. You know, he, he is a prototypical fly-under-the-radar guy, and they put him at five. Let's look at number, let's see, six is Von Miller, who... Probably also should be higher, but he's getting older, I guess. Seven is Chandler Jones. I don't know if he belongs on this list anymore at this point. Maybe he does. I don't know, but probably not. Number eight is Brian freaking Burns. Brian Burns. Brian Burns is bordering on bus territory, which is completely unfair. But from the standpoint of what we thought he would be, what it seemed like he was going to be in that first year, um, you know, in his first week or two, compared to what he is and what he's proven to be over the last several He's not there. He can't touch what Rashawn Gary has done. He's never touched what Rashawn... I don't know if he's ever hit what Rashawn Gary has done. Even when Rashawn wasn't playing very much, his pressure rates were higher than Brian Burns's. He's always been better than Brian Burns since day one. Brian Burns does not belong on this list, period. Period. Rashawn Gary does. Based on three years of production, not just this last one. The last one was just his best year, and it was by a mile. And by the way, not only did he have an elite grade, which granted these guys don't care about grades, but his stats were, were basically those that some never touch. His, his pressure rate was stupid. Stupid. The consistent, and, and, and he has all the attributes, you know, number one recruit in the entire country. So everybody knows how good he is, how athletic he is, how freaky he is. He burst onto the scene this first full year, and he was maybe the best pass rusher in football, and we can't talk about him in the top 10. And Brian freaking Burns is on the list, and Max Crosby is on the list. Again, Max deserves to be, but there's every reason to disregard him. There's every reason to pretend we don't know that he exists. Every reason that exists for Rashawn Gary exists for Max Crosby to a larger degree. Max had better stats, but that's not really the point. If, we're, if we care about pressure rate, number two is Rashawn behind him. I, I, one of the things in the article, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain, is win rate. Win rate is maybe even a better metric than pressure rate, but it's, it's, it's further away from production, but it's closer to the ultimate question of, when you're trying to beat the guy in front of you, do you beat the guy in front of you? Because there's, there is a possibility that 
you beat the guy in front of you, but the quarterback gets a ball out in like two seconds. So you won. You dominated the guy. You, you as an edge rusher, picked up the right tackle and threw him into the upside down and got past him, and you were about to get to the quarterback, but the ball came out. Now, if you're looking at pressure rate, that is a loss for you. You did not get a pressure, therefore you get a zero, therefore your pressure rate is, is lower. Even though you won, win rate says you killed the guy, you win. That would be the correct metric, but you're getting a little further away from what you ultimately want, which is pressures, and you want pressures because you want sacks and you want production, um, and you're not getting the production that you want. But anyways... I went back and looked at win rate historically. Rashawn Gary had a pressure, a win rate, excuse me, over 26%. Nobody has ever in PFF history had a win rate of 26%. That is, aside from Max Crosby, who in the same year had an actually a, a higher win rate. So Max Crosby and Rashawn Gary basically had seasons that we've never seen before. Max Crosby deserves credit for that. Whether or not he maintains that or whatever is, is secondary. But the point is, he did it, he's deserving of respect, and he's getting respect. Rashawn also is. If it wasn't for Max Crosby, he would have, he would, he alone would have broken the record. And I think 25% has been hit like once. If you go back far enough, 13, 14, 15 is, is what you're getting at the highest rate in the NFL. 20% is, is really high, and they were at 26, which again has never been done before this year, and Max Crosby and Rashawn Gary did it. Highest ever. So it's not just a matter of Rashawn had a good year and deserves some credit. Rashawn had a historically, freakishly, insanely good year that is, I'll give you the conclusion of the article, if, if Rashawn does not become a good pass rusher, based on the stats that he had, he might be the first ever to have a season this good and never be able to replicate it. Uh, replicate is the wrong word. And to, to, to go on to have a subpar career, very possible he never replicates that year again, but but the odds that he just completely falls off are, are at, at this point, looking at it historically, it's zero, pending some kind of injury, obviously. But again, what, what justification could there possibly be? Safeties, I can, I can kind of understand it as you go through the list, right? Again, Justin Simmons, Minka Fitzpatrick, Kevin Byer, Derwin James, you understand these are young, athletic, freakish guys that are uh, headed for massive contract. Buda Baker, I don't necessarily get, but I kind of get. Jesse Bates, 100% understand it. Harrison Smith, I, you know, it, it, he's he's there for the same reason Amos should be there. He's been consistent, but he, he's also been more um, prominent in how elite he has been over the years. So you got the consistency thing, but you've also got... Uh, point is, I get it. Um, Marcus Williams, Anton Wint, these are mostly very, very young guys. We're very, very talented. Jamal Adams, again, probably doesn't belong on the list today. He hasn't been good since he went to Seattle, but I still kind of get it, right? I, I don't respect the list, but I understand it. When you get to edge rusher, though, I don't get it. What What is the standard that you're holding to that keeps Rashawn Gary off the list? Even the things that kept Amos off. Younger, higher upside, more productive. There's nobody. You got Bosa. You got TJ Watt. Again, Miles Garrett. He's you. You can argue on a play-to-play, down-to-down basis. If you, you athletically, however you want to argue it, he's better. You know, he's got the longer frame and all that stuff. You would take him over, okay? But I'm telling you, Miles Garrett never peaked like Rashawn did last year. Never. He never. He never sniffed stats like Rashawn had last year. He may someday. I mean, he's got the the ability to do it. But Rashawn in his first full year hit it, just just right out of the gate. Boom, done. Why isn't he on the list? 
After Brian Burns is Khalil Mack at 9, Khalil should probably be higher, although he's completely fallen off, but give me a break. He's not better than Brian freaking Burns. Chandler Jones, I mean, you, again, you want to talk about falling off, there you go. Um, and then at 10, you got Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan is, is solid. He's great, all that stuff. Trey Hendrickson, um, he's good, especially last year with Cincinnati. He had a great year. Then you got Chase Young, which is, again... Chase Young is the predator. He's the prototype. He's he's what they love. He didn't make the top 10 list. So, you know, you can't be too mad about it, but I can still a little bit because Rashawn Gary didn't get honorable freaking mention. It's insane. I mean, he's it's it's in the the bottom tier. It says also receiving votes, Josh Allen, Robert Quinn, Rashawn Gary. That makes me sick. First of all, looking at the honorable mentions, Chase Young Chase Young has never met his potential. That's the biggest thing with Chase Young. There are, there are glimmers here and there, but again, he, he, he was drafted earlier. He kind of fits the mold, the prototype, all that stuff, but Chase Young has come into the league. He's never produced the way that they thought he would, and he's certainly never done what Rashawn Gary did last year. Daniil Hunter, fine, deserving. I get it. He did have his one spike year like Rashawn, and he's also been consistent beyond that, so yeah, I get it. Shaq Barrett. Stats guy, right? Loaded up with stats, fine. Especially if you're talking honorable mention. Then Demarcus Lawrence. I think it's criminal Demarcus Lawrence is is not in the top ten. Brian freaking Burns. I cannot believe that. Demarcus Lawrence is better than that. Shaq Barrett is better than that. Daniel Hunter is better than that. I'd probably take Chase Young over Brian freaking Burns. Even if Brian Burns has been slightly better than Chase Young. It's shocking that, you know, whatever. But then to put him on the bottom barrel of also receiving votes, putting him with Robert Quinn and Josh Allen... Josh Allen has done nothing. Drafted in that same year, all the guys he was drafted with that he's better than are on this list. Rashawn Gary belongs in the top 10. He belongs in the top 10. Jo- oh, it just it makes me physically ill. But again, the question is why? Why? I would just love to be able to ask them. Rashawn Gary, what, what, what did he miss? What does he miss? The only thing he's missing is sack totals. I mean, our... our people around the league just that lazy you, know, you can look at it and say okay well you know how, how would a gm know rashawn gary's pressure rate what does he care he's not looking at that he's he's hyper focused on his own team and he's he's got you know paperwork to do and phone calls and meetings and all he's not looking up rashawn gary's pressure rate but you'd think coaches would know you think players would know players who went up against rashawn gary word gets around the league coaches have to prepare for these things you would think you would have somebody crunching numbers for you to be able to look at stuff Ultimately, again, this stuff doesn't matter because you, you, this isn't like it, talking about the clown, where if you just don't believe it, it won't exist. It's not like that. You you can pretend he doesn't exist all you want. It's not going to save you. I just don't get it. Anyway, it's kind of a random spot, but we're getting kind of late here. We're going to take a break. We'll jump right back into this after the break. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore dad if you'd like to support the podcast. Um packernet.substack.com if you'd like to be able to read these articles. Again, keep your eyes open. Today, um, planning on getting the Adrian Amos article up and running. will be free, no paywall, so you'll be able to, to dig into that and see what, um, what it's all about. But we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we launch back into um, complaining about how the Packers get no respect, I want to let you know about one other thing. There is a Packernet voicemail that has kind of gone um, under the radar, has been forgotten about. By the way, shout out to Jim. Haven't heard from you in a while. Hope you're doing well. Jim used to call in all the time, and then when the phone number thing kind of went by the wayside, he stopped calling. So if you're still out there, if you're still listening, Jim, I'd love to hear from you. But I had a thought, and it's going to be entirely up to you. That's the benefit of this whole thing. If you think it's stupid, it won't exist. If you like it and you want to participate, it will exist. This might be a never thing. This might be a one-time thing. This could become a daily thing. I don't know. But I had the thought of a PM after dark show that is run entirely by listeners. And what I mean by that is you call in, you talk about what you want to talk about, and that'll direct the show. If you want to call in and talk about aliens, that's what we talk about. If you want to call in and talk about the Packers... Uh, not winning the Super Bowl, and I can't deal with it anymore, and complain, then that's what we're going to talk about. If you want to call in and say J.J. smells, as did happen, might have been talking about me too, but probably just J.J., we can talk about it. But again, it's going to be up to you. As of right now, I don't know if I have enough voicemails. I, I had, I think, three people call in to be able to make a full show out of it. If you call, I will not answer. It goes to voicemail. You leave a message. Here's what I want to say. But that phone number is 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. Put it in your phone, save it. Anytime you have any thoughts about the Packers, just call and leave a message. Again, if you guys like it and you want to keep doing it, we can do it as often as you want to do it. I'm hoping tonight is night one of uh, the Packer Night podcast. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. But we'll see. Again, that'll be up to you. So reach out, call, leave a message. We might have something, we might just not. Again, if you don't like the idea, don't call. It won't be a thing. But I thought it would be fun, and I've, I've been hearing since day one how much you know, fans really want to participate. I've had multiple people reach out and like, hey, man, let me, let me be on your show or whatever. And as hard as it is to be like, well, okay, I guess I'll just bring on random people. I don't know if you're good for this or if it's going to work or whatever. It's, it's hard to interview. This is the opportunity. 
you know, you're probably not going to get an interview, but you can call. Anyways, um, continuing on with the complain fest. And again, just keep in mind, we're trying to figure out what is your standard here. And granted, these are multiple people, so multiple people have different standards, and it's just an, an accumulation. But let's look at linebackers. I'll, if you want to say Devondre Campbell wasn't the best in football, fine. But was he top 10? There's no debate by anybody, but apparently there is. Number one, Darius Leonard. I get it. I'm on board. Number two, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is a pass rusher. I, I think we're kind of to the point now where we need to change his designation. As a linebacker, I don't know that he was the best in football. He was one of the best players in football as a pass rusher. His stats were stupid as a pass rusher. Um, but anyways, I'll, I'll grant you that because he had such a freakish year. I'll give you that. If you want to say number one, that's fine. Number three, Fred Warner. Get it. 100%. Number four, Devin White. <sighs> okay. Um, I guess. I understand he's he's whatever. I, I guess I get it. Number five, Roquan Smith. I don't get it. I mean, I, I do, but I don't. Um, he's just, he, he has all the attributes. He doesn't put it to good use. Uh, even Bears fans are getting sick of Roquan Smith, which should tell you something. Number six, Demario Davis. I get it. He's great. Number seven, Tremaine Edmonds. Not good at football, so I don't get it. Um, number eight, Bobby Wagner. Maybe. I mean, there's not a lot of great linebackers, so keeping him off a top 10 list would be almost impossible. But obviously, we're not talking about peak Bobby Wagner, which is why he's number eight instead of number one or two. Number nine, Levante David, probably too low on this list, but deserving, yes. Number 10, Jordan Brooks, you've got to be freaking kidding me. I, again, it's just, I, I don't, what what freaking standard are we talking about here? Jordan, it says, it says here, Jordan Brooks elevated his game in year two. Well, technically that's true. He did elevate his game in year two. Uh, he went from a 50 to a 58. The guy sucks at football, but again, the biggest issue, biggest issue, where in the world is Devondre Campbell? Well, they put him in honorable mention. Yeah, they put him in honorable mention with Patrick Queen, who's literally one of the worst linebackers in football, and with C.J. Mosley and Eric Hendricks. And I think we get the answer to the question of why he wasn't higher, but it's so pompous and so arrogant. And again, they don't hold a lot of other players to this standard. Here's what it says. Uh, Campbell, and we're not to the AFC scout quote yet, but Campbell, a role player before signing a one-year deal with Green Bay in 2021, put up an all-pro season. Right there would explain why he should be higher, right? Here's what an AFC scout said. He's a reason why some teams don't want to take a linebacker super high in the draft because in the right scheme, you might be able to find a veteran who is miscast but really good and can be super impactful. The point is, he didn't get a lot of votes because people still look at him as a scrub linebacker. It doesn't matter. See, and, and it, it's almost like a he's somebody that the NFL doesn't want to exist, and this is the reason why I have such a hard time you know, on one hand, I want to look at it and say, these guys are so good at their job. They really, really understand. On the other hand, they have such deep biases that they they just seem to be so stuck in their ways and, and unable to just accept what is in front of them. And, and I think if you talk to data guys, they're, they're looking at this going, yeah, we've been saying that since forever. I mean, there is data that they just refuse to come around to. And eventually they do. And you got the, the data guys who are looking at it saying, I've been saying this for like a decade, like literally, you know, the, the fact that, that, DBs are, you know, becoming more prominent and, and, you know, the Patriots kind of started 
led the way with that, with getting real strong DBs, which led to a really good defense. And then now everybody else is like, all right, let's just get a bunch of really good corners and safeties and we'll call it a day. And, you know, again, the, the data guys are like, yeah, we've been saying that going forward on fourth, like pfft, been doing that since I was nine years old playing Madden, dude. I mean, welcome to the, welcome to the party 30 freaking years later. But this is another thing where they just refuse to acknowledge that a guy like Devondre Campbell was better than a guy like Roquan. They're so indignant about that. They they want the Roquans of the world to be because they they understand the they're so good at understanding things like scheme, the scouts and the coaches, and they understand if we can get a guy that can do this it'll elevate us to this level that is just unstoppable. And Roquan can do those things. And so they look at a guy like Roquan and, and their whole process is to say, he can do things that can elevate our team to this level and Devondre Campbell can't. And so Roquan belongs on a higher list. And it doesn't matter to simply just strip all that away, all this head knowledge away and just say, who is a better football player? Roquan is bad. Yeah, but but... But he can do things, and, and, and if you look at the, the, the good that he does, maybe not on a play-to-play basis, but he's one of the few guys that if, if I ask him to do this, he can do it, and Devondre Campbell can't, and so I like Roquan better. Yeah, but but he's he's bad, right? That it's, it's, it's the question of, again, checking the boxes. I've got all these things that I want a linebacker to be able to do, and Roquan checks all those boxes. But he doesn't, though. How about this? When a guard moves up to the next level and engages your linebacker, one of the linebackers that gets engaged is Devondre. One of them is Roquan. Who's going to win the battle? Devondre is going to beat that guard and make a tackle. Roquan is going to get pushed into the stands. Yeah, but 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 you know he can do he can run he can do, 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 uh, yeah yeah he can but he doesn't. And and at the end of the day, there are simple things right in front of you. Like can can you just man up and beat the guy in front of you. Well, no, but but he can do this and this and this. Again, the reason I never bought into Roquan even before he became a a Chicago Bear, the thing that, that I just, I saw it and I said, I, I can't respect this guy ever, was when he went to make a head-up tackle on a quarterback. A quarterback. This is, if you're a defender and you get a one-on-one opportunity with a quarterback, you kill that man. And I know that's not nice and that's right not right and you shouldn't say stuff like that but that's your job you hit him as hard as you possibly freaking can and if the ball comes out that's great but the point is you send a message to him that this is not your territory you do not do this you hide behind your line like a coward and throw the ball do not dare step into our territory unprotected ever again he had a one-on-one opportunity with a quarterback he ran at the quarterback and the quarterback drove him backwards he lost that battle. I remember that in middle school. I, the only time I played football. And you, you got that drill where you, you like lay down and then you stand up and then you run through a little gate. And the point is you're supposed to hit each other or whatever. I don't know. I, I remember the one time I, I was the ball carrier and my best friend John, who got absolutely no respect and he was very angry about that. He and I were, were head to head. And I'm, I'm, I don't really care. I didn't like football. I was stupid. So I'm not really trying very hard. I'm just kind of running. Grab the ball and run. And he laid me out. One of those things where I'm just running with a football one minute and the next minute I'm on my back and I don't know exactly what happened. That's how that's supposed to go 100% of the time when a linebacker meets a quarterback. The fact that he lost that head-to-head battle to a quarterback 
and got absolutely steamrolled and kind of just did that thing where, you know, like if, if A.J. Dillon hits you, you just kind of hang on for dear life and hope that he goes down so you don't get too embarrassed by this uh, impending highlight reel that's coming. That's what he did to a freaking quarterback. He got knocked on his back, hung on for dear life, and dragged him down. I never bought into him after that. That's Roquan. He's small. He's tiny. He gets thrown around. He's never going to beat one-on-one a guy. He'll run around guys and all that. That's fine. But again, I just I just don't understand the obsession with the, the traits. I mean, they bought in. We, we drafted him early. It, it's almost like we don't want to admit we were wrong. We said Roquan was going to be, he is the prototype. We've been saying for years, this is the guy that the NFL needs. And, and they've been refusing to acknowledge. And, and maybe this is why people don't like the Packers, because the Packers are one of the few teams that are like, nah, don't need a Roquan. Just go find a Devondre. You find the right guy in the right scheme, you'll be fine. Same with wide receiver. The fans, the executives, everybody hates the Packers' approach to the wide receiver. They mock the Packers incessantly. You need better wide They're like, nah, we'll be all right. It's not really how that works. We'll be okay. And you know what? If the Packers are okay as a team in general, but especially on offense and especially with passing the ball, I think the NFL coaches, executives, whatever, are going to hate the Packers even more. Because it's just proving that they're stupid. It's proving that some of these guys are unnecessary. These scouts and these GMs and everything else that put in all this work and, and, and do all this stuff to go out and get these great wide receivers for the fans and to, to show off and to be flashy. And it's not just for the fans. I mean, you win games with good receivers and all that, but it's like there's this narrative that, that we want to keep alive and the Packers keep exposing us to this stuff and we don't like it. This old school throwback that just doesn't get with the times where you got to draft really fast linebackers early and you, you get wide receivers in the top five and you know you trade way up and give away all, everything you have for a wide receiver. It's the most important thing in football. And here are the Packers still drafting quarterbacks when you don't need one. That's not what we do anymore. You wait until your quarterback leaves, and then you suck, and then you draft a guy, and you push him out there too early, and you force him behind your bad offensive line, and you you make him struggle and suffer and fail. That's what you're supposed to do. Stupid Packers, just get with the times. I mean, even I'm nitpicking at this point, but even Jair Alexander being behind Marshawn Lattimore just annoys me. I, you know... Jair, they put number three. That's that's fine. That's great. And, and I'll fully acknowledge it's only been one year where he played really at a high level, and they still put him at number three, which is great. He still gets the respect he deserves, but he should be higher than Marshawn Lattimore. In fact, I don't know that he shouldn't be higher than Jalen Ramsey. That dude gets way too much credit, too. Talk about a scheme-dependent corner. You take him out of L.A. and put him, put him with, for example, the Packers, or especially put him with a team that plays a lot of man coverage, that dude's going to get killed. Jair won't. Jair can thrive as a zone corner. He can thrive as a man corner. Jalen Ramsey can't. He'd get crushed. So I, I don't I don't really fully understand it. I'm trying to make it make sense. But again, maybe it's just uh, me being biased and, and making it seem like something that it's not. And um, you can make sense of this in some kind of a way, but it just seems the one consistent thing, because there doesn't seem to be a consistent standard. The only consistent standard seems to be that we don't give credit to the Packers unless we have to. Aaron Rodgers, we got to give him credit. Jair, we have to give him credit. We, we can't leave him, but if we can, we do. We can keep Rashawn off the list because nobody really knows yet. I mean, yeah, Packer fans will kick and scream, but most of the time we'll be able to squeak by with just angry Packer fans. Everybody else will understand. Devondre Campbell. These are guys that clearly should be on the list. Everybody knows they should be on the list, but if we can leave him off the list, we will. I don't get it. I don't understand it. 
Again, there, there used to be a time when the Packers got probably too much credit. Everything they did was gold. Ted Thompson could do no wrong. Aaron Rodgers was the greatest. The Packers are going to win the Super Bowl every year. And at some point, the narrative changed. I don't understand why. I don't know what we have to do to get back. But Aaron Rodgers had fallen out of out of grace. And, you know, you can talk about the vaccine and all this stuff. But it, it started before that. It seemed like when things started to fall apart, 2015, 16, 17, 18, the media and everybody else kind of just gave up. And they're like, nah, all right, they're done. And when we had a revival in 2019, we're like, oh, nope, we, we got a second uh, second breath here. They're like, nah, sorry, you're done. We won 13 games. We're actually very good. And Aaron Rodgers is playing at MVP caliber football again. So maybe, maybe come on back. By the way, Brian Gutekunst, really good. Like following the line of Ted Thompson, maybe maybe just grandfather him into that credit. That he, no, actually, we hate him. We think he's a bum and, and he's stupid and he doesn't do anything right. And Aaron Rodgers is a whack job, loser, psychopath. And this is a bunch of hodgepodge. You know, cool, you guys win a lot of games and then you lose in the playoffs. We're, we're, we're more interested in, in other more exciting things. What, you mean other teams that win and lose in the playoffs? Yeah, exactly, those teams. We love the 49ers. We love Kyle Shanahan. We love Lynch and Kittle doesn't matter if they don't win Super Bowls. We like the 49ers. We like Josh Allen on the Bills. It's new, it's young, it's hip, it's exciting. We like Pat Mahomes. Even if that team seems to be falling apart, even if everything we say about the Packers seems to be true about the Chiefs in terms of bad leadership, um, toxicity in the locker room. You know, We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers poisoning a locker room that seems to be extremely healthy and completely ignore what's going on in Kansas City because we like Kansas City. We're going to rag on, on Aaron Rodgers when it seems clear that Pat Mahomes, who just got this massive contract seems to be in decline and something is very very wrong Tyreek Hill left the team and we're going to talk about how Devontae left because he hates Aaron Rodgers or because Brian Gutekunst refused to pay him even though we've already learned that that's not true but we're going to keep running with it because we just refuse to acknowledge that the Chiefs are bad and we refuse to say anything good about the Packers I don't know why this narrative is so stuck but it is deep and it is really hard to turn around. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't think unless the Packers win a Super Bowl, they're ever going to get that. And it's not because then they'll know. They already know. It's because then they'll have to say it. And ultimately, these guys are talking about the media largely, but they can get blown around like dust, man. It doesn't take much to get them to change course. They're completely unattached to anything but the narrative. We just got to get it to change because right now they've been given the ability to somehow disrespect the Packers despite their, how good they are. And um, it's like that, that just seems to be the, the, the spot we're sitting in. It doesn't matter how many games you win. We don't have to give you any respect. We don't have to give you any credit. We, we mock you and laugh at you because you're kind of just this big joke and it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Detroit gets more respect than Green Bay, I think. Not necessarily on a player-to-player basis, but just how tenacious they are and their coach and all this great stuff. And, you know, we, we kind of chuckle, but no, it's, it's, it's legit and there might be something there. I think the Detroit Lions coach has gotten more respect than the Packers coach has. I don't, I don't understand it. But again, it just kind of goes to they're not doing things the right way. Brian Gutekunst was not the right hire. Matt LaFleur was not the right hire. These draft picks that are panning out were not the right draft picks. Rashawn Gary was a bad pick. Jair was a bad pick. Eric Stokes was a stupid pick. Quay Walker is a stupid pick. All these picks are wrong. And when they work out, it's not a matter of, hey, you know what? We were wrong. Uh, These are great picks. They're not going to just admit they were wrong and that they were stupid. Turns out all the work that we put into grading these guys and figuring out where they go was wrong and the Packers are right all along again. We're not going to admit that. So it almost seems like what they do is they 
almost just pretend the Packers don't exist. We're going to do a top 10 list. Here are 10 great linebackers. Like, yeah, they're good. But you forgot about Devondre. Like, I, never, I don't know. never heard of him. I don't know what you're talking about. You ever get the silent treatment as a kid? It was brutal. You almost wish you were just getting yelled at. There were times when I would fall out of the good graces of my stepmom, and she would give me the silent treatment for like a week. You know, here you go, son. Here's your food. Here you go, son. Here's your food. Here you go, daughter. Here's your food. Bam, slam the food down in front of me and just walk away like I don't exist. It's brutal. Packers are getting the silent treatment. We just don't talk about them. We don't mention their name. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm just tired of it. But it, it'll make for some really good content because I'm going to put together... I'm not going to do a list because I don't, I don't really want to. But I'm just going to explain why he belongs higher on the list. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm, I'm not even saying number one. I'm just saying they deserve credit and I'm going to give it to them. I already did Rashawn Gary. I gave him the credit that he's due. I'm going to do Adrian Amos. I'm probably going to do Dylan and, and Aaron Jones because they deserve it as well. And we'll, we'll take a look around and see what other players are deserving of respect. And I'm going to give them respect. And it's going to be a heck of a lot more than what ESPN did with these stupid little one paragraphs about guys that, you know, belong on lists. You know, Adrian Amos is one of the league's most underrated defensive players. Yeah, no kidding, including on your own freaking list. That's what it says here on ESPN. A, consi- a constant for Green Bay's defense. Right? They give his PFF grade, uh, and then they give the quote from the AFC scout, and that's it. We're going to do a lot more work than that. And everything that I do, I, I want it to be that it would be accurate if I put in the title, the definitive guide. That's the goal. Hit this from every possible angle and make sure that we got the, the information right to prove out the point, not just to assert. I'm not, I understand the guys in the league that are quote-unquote in the know are, are make for a really interesting article. And you got to pay ESPN to see a lot of this stuff because they talk to the guys on the inside and that's great. But it's one thing to talk about guys who are in the league that don't know what they're talking about. It's another guy to talk to. It's another to look at it from the standpoint of somebody who's not in the know, but will do the work. That's the other side of the coin. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Again, remember to hit me up 608-501-0718. Leave a message. Tell me what you want to talk about. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.